are listening to a podcast from C3 Church Wallandilly. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C3 Wallandilly. Well, this morning I'm going to be sharing around boundaries in relationships and what it means to become a well-differentiated person. Now, when I got the email about that, I had to Google that. I'm like, Pastor Ron, what do you quite mean? I thought I knew, and um, I researched it. But, you know, <laughs> what I discovered was that it's about healthy boundaries in relationships. It's about me having a healthy boundary in what God's called me to and who he's called me to be, and then how I do life with other people in my world. And do you know what? Relationships with others are vital. They are hugely important. And over and over in the scriptures, God reminds us that our vertical relationship with the Lord, number one place, but the horizontal relationship that we have one with another, oh, is just as important. At the moment, I've been diving into a book called People Fuel, written by Dr. John Townsend. He's the guy who co-wrote the book Boundaries. And over and over, I'm reminded again of the value that God places on these human relationships. And here are a couple of scriptures just to remind each of us. In Genesis 2.18, it says, It is not good for the man to be alone. In this verse, God's saying it is not good. So in a perfect universe where there was perfect connection with God, there was a not good situation. So all of a sudden, God saw that Adam needed another human to interact with and do life with. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Here we see that we get to each meet each other's needs and support and encourage one another. In Matthew 26, 38, it says, Then Jesus said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus invites Peter, James, and John to be with him in prayer to God in time of deep torment. So here we see Jesus asking people for help and support. 2 Corinthians 7, 6. God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So during Paul's trials... God could have comforted him by sending him an angel or through the word or through a song, but he chose a person to bring comfort to Paul in that very moment. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Here we see that we are the delivery system of God's grace, his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece into the lives of people in our world. So I don't know if you get it yet, but relationships are really vital. 
and they're God's perfect design for you and for me. And God has also designed it that we would be healthy in our relationship with others. But who knows? That's not quite always the case. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But let me ask you a few questions first. Who was born here before the year 1980? Who was born before 1980? Raise your hands. Who grew up with siblings? So you had brothers and sisters. Okay. Who went on and studied in university after they finished school? Who went on and did university? I can't raise my hand. Who was born in another country? There's a few of us. Yay. Who has a pet? Who owns their own business? Who likes Mexican food? Oh, yeah, we're all pretty on par with that. You know, as you can see, we're all different. We've come from different places, had different influences in our lives, had different things go on. Our race, our gender, education, family style, structure, our likes, our dislikes, our appearances, our passions, our sorrows, our disappointments, our failures, our shortcomings, all different. Everybody's different. That also means that we have a different way that we respond. We've got a filter that's within us. You just don't see it. Well... We think you don't see it. Hmm. But we've all got a different filter in the way we filter events, moments, words, things that happen, things that don't happen, that we thought should happen. We have these different filters. But today I want to talk and continue to talk around healthy boundaries in our relationships. Now, boundaries are different to walls. I really clearly want to say that. Boundaries are different to walls. We can put walls up in our lives for lots of reasons. And those walls are often, if we're really honest, to keep other people out. But in trying to keep other people out, we also keep the very thing that God created for us that brings grace and truth and healing and comfort. And it also stops and blocks the relationship we have with the Lord. But we don't realize it because often I've heard people say, I'm all good with God, but people, I'm all good with God. Me and God, I, you know, I do this and I do that with him and, you know, I'm strong with God, but I can't stand people. And I've got a question, what is the wall that has been built to block The very thing that God wanted to bless us with, which was relationships one with another. But it takes time to realize that. And it actually takes us becoming honest with ourselves. Because as you know, each of us is different and uniquely different with our experiences. And all of this will contribute to our emotional maturity. There's that word, maturity. Do we really have to grow up? Yes. (laughs) One way that we can define or or gauge our level of emotional maturity, we hear a lot of this to become self-aware and, you know, 
But how do you gauge it? Well, one of the ways is to understand how you and I are doing when it comes to be a differentiated person one with another. And you might still be thinking, what the heck does that mean? Well, when I looked this up, this concept was developed by Dr. Murray Bowen, a psychiatrist and a professor who describes differentiation as a person's ability to define his or her own life's goals and values apart from the pressures of those around them. So, dif differentiated people are able to maintain their own individuality while being connected to people important to them. It does not distance us, it actually connects us. So the more I find out about how God made me and has wired me and what he's been doing in my life, shaping and molding and all those different influences that I've had in my world is not meant to separate me from you. For me to say, oh, we're so different, like, oh my gosh, look at my past. It's actually meant to draw me in closer to you. It's actually meant to cause me to understand, be more understanding, be more empathetic, to be more gracious, to understand that I'm not there yet and God's still doing a deep work within me, but I know and understand too that God's doing a great and a deep work within you and that we should draw one closer to another. So differentiation is the process of freeing yourself or releasing others that you are trying to control by defining themselves by the opinions and values of others. A differentiated person can act according to the desires of others, but it is a thoughtful choice, not a response to relationship pressures. He or she is able to balance both being independent with different views while still being an emotionally connected relationship. I love that definition that it's like I begin to understand the things that I value and the things that are important to me. And as I do, and I'm in your world, and I see there are things that you value and that are important to me, that doesn't come all-consuming over my life. I begin to go, okay, Adam, you're wired that way. I see that's important in you. I'm going to consider that and thoughtfully consider that. How can I bring strength and encouragement and hope to your world how can I build the other person up? When Terry and I were first married, newlyweds, I didn't realise, actually, when we were dating, I did not realise this. I knew you loved football. I had no idea that Terry did love cricket. Some of us girls shudder right there. Right there, you just went, oh. He loved it, but I didn't realise how much. I knew he loved South Sydney Rabbitohs, but this cricket thing was a whole new thing. But it was important to him. He used to like to say, hey, come and sit and watch this with me. And what am I watching? How long? How long is it? What? I learned that if they had that full white uniform thing on, it was a long, long game. But if they were wearing the pink, fluoro pink or the green, it was like, oh, yeah, one session, we're done. 2020, it's all over. But it was important to him. And I thought, okay, God, this is important to Terry. What am I going to do? So I began to do research. When he went to work, because I was a stay-at-home mum, had little babies, right, I'm going to research this. I'm going to sit here and watch some cricket matches without Terry. And I would watch. And I would watch. 
and I'd learn the different players' names, batsmen's names, and things that would highlight. I'd see everyone cheering. I'm like, right, that's a moment. I have to remember this moment. Because <laughs> I knew that when Terry would be listening, he used to, he loves listening, you know, to cricket. And he'd come home, and we would sit and have dinner. Hashtag, oh, good, kids are good. Do, do, do. And I was going to have something to say about this cricket. And I'd say, oh, so did you listen to any of the cricket today? Or you might have heard the news coming home, whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, wasn't it good? Shane Warne was, at that time, a bowler. Wasn't it great, the bowl that he did? And Terry's like, whoa, who are you? It was important to him. So it became important to me. Girls, this day I don't have to sit and watch cricket with Terry. I let him watch all the cricket he likes. I can come in and I can go out. But it's no longer this thing of, oh, he loves cricket. Appreciate it. I began to understand it a bit more. I began to see that's important to my husband. Now, (laughs) I didn't get everything right. I still don't get everything right in our marriage. But... We're working towards, working towards that in our world. So what does it mean, but what does it mean and what does it really look like? You know, in our world you might say, well, okay, so that means I'm meant to be more thoughtful and considerate of the other person and not reactive to the pressures around me. (laughs) Easier said than done, right? And you might say, there's still not a clear picture. Well, sometimes considering what? the opposite of that looks like, will help us. So the counterpart to a highly differentiated person is an emotionally fused person. Emotionally fused people have poor interpersonal skills and emotional boundaries. They struggle with maintaining a sense of self apart from their significant other or family member or whoever, whatever the influence is that's strong in their world. When confronted with someone who doesn't act or behave the way they want, emotionally fused people take it personally and react by either trying to control how the other person thinks, acts, or by manipulating, guilt-tripping, dogmatically pushing others to change, or quickly accommodating to the other person and repressing their own feelings, leading to resentment or diminished sense of self. So it's the two. It's where they become really, really forceful, Or they, like, hide away. Okay, I'll become whatever you want me to be. And then they resent that. So that doesn't bring the relationships together. It distances us. Now, when I read that, I was like, whoa, God, there are still some areas that you're working on in me. And I love that because none of us are there yet. And I want to continue to be a person that is continuously changed by him. This, 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 these descriptions are not to discourage you to say, well, I'm nowhere near that one, and I am a mix of that negative one that you've just read. Oh, Ivana, there's there hope. There is hope for each and every one of us. But the hope is our willingness to want to change. Because the last thing we want is that you would hear some of this and be thinking, oh, that's not really for me. That is for Terry. He, he needs to hear that. No, no, no. I want you to push that thought to the side and say, God, where in my relationships with others am I needing to grow? Am I needing to become more sensitive? Where in my relationship with the others have I somehow thought or interpreted that relationships aren't good because of an experience or because of a moment? Because each of us have done life, Right? 
We've been in relationship with people, with family, friends, workmates, school friends, schools associations in the community. And we've had both positive and negative experiences. But you know, friend, people have had positive and negative experiences through us too. And we want to keep being better at being open-hearted and saying, God, continue to do a work in me. Continue to change, mould and shape me more and more into his likeness. He's got you. He is faithful to the work that he started in each of our hearts. My encouragement is surrender to that afresh today. Now, how can you figure out where you are on this emotional scale? Well, Peter Scazzaro has a really great book. We've done it as a church years ago, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And maybe when we did it years ago, you might have thought, oh, not quite ready for that. Well, maybe now's the time. I don't know. But I love he's got this scale that he says, okay, how can we sort of work out where we're at? He's got four different levels, and I'm going to read the description, and I just want you to hear. Don't straight away go, oh, that's not me, that's not me. Just hear. The first level that is someone who can't distinguish between fact and feeling, emotionally needy and highly reactive to others. Much of life's energy is spent winning the approval of others, Little energy for goal-directed activities. Can't say, I think or I believe. Little emotional separation from their families. Dependent on their marital relationships. Do very poor in transition, crisis and life adjustments. Unable to see where they end and others begin. The next one, he says, ah, this could be you. Some ability to distinguish between fact and feeling. Most of self is a false self and reflected from others. When anxiety is low, they function relatively well, quick to imitate others and change themselves to gain acceptance from others. And they often talk one set of principles, beliefs, yet do another. Self-esteem soars when compliments are there or it is crushed by criticism, becomes anxious Highly reactive and freaking out. I like that description, freaking out. When a relationship system falls apart and becomes unbalanced, often make poor decisions due to their inability to think clearly under stress. They seek power, honour, knowledge and love from others to clothe their false selves. The third, we're getting better. Aware of the thinking and feeling functions that work as a team. Reasonable level of true self, can follow life goals that are determined from within, can state beliefs calmly without putting others down. Marriage is functioning partnership where intimacy can be enjoyed without losing the self. Can allow children to progress through developmental phases into adult autonomy, function well alone or with others, and are able to cope with crisis without falling apart, stay relational connection with others without insisting they, are, they, they see the world the same. And this last category that he lists, he has in brackets, very few people. So, is principle-orientated and goal-directed, secure in who they are, unaffected by criticism or praise, is able to leave family of origin and become an inner-directed, separate adult 
sure of their beliefs, not dogmatic or closed in their thinking, can hear and evaluate beliefs of others, discarding old beliefs in favour of new ones, can listen without reacting and communicating without antagonising others, can respect others without having to change them, aware of dependence on others and responsibility for others, so it's a give and take, free to enjoy life and play, able to maintain non-anxious presence in the midst of stress and pressure, and able to take responsibility for their own destiny and life. They're the four categories. Just to help us go, where am I in that journey? And you might say, that was too much information. Probably was. I highly recommend getting the book. I highly recommend beginning this journey. Listen through to this podcast again and pause it at each one and say, Lord, where am I in this? You might see you're a mix of things. You might say, I've got some of that first one, some of the second one, and not so much of the third one. Or you might be, oh, I feel like I'm in the second group, progressing to the third group. Maybe you're a four. Maybe. But he did say a few people, and I'm like, whoa. So, okay, where do you see yourself? Maybe you can't see. You're... you're <laughs> Absolutely, I said, <laughs> That's right, there is an online assessment that you can do, and you will get a response as to what your level of maturity is, like whether you're an infant, a toddler, a child, adolescent, yeah, <laughs> an adult. But you'll see that in your life, I don't, there were so many things that got you to where you are right now. So many different things. We're all at a different place in our journey when it comes to relationships with others. And it's not to put us down, it's to make us aware and to not just be looking at ourselves, but to be looking at him and saying, God, what do you want to do in my life now? Because is your motive out of brokenness or is your motive out of a desire to be healthy emotionally so that you can be that grace bearer and that grace giver to other people in your world? Is that your driving force? Is that your desire? You know, throughout Scripture, there are many examples. Just begin to look at it. Just say, Lord, show me these examples of where people are doing relationship and what was their emotional maturity in that relationship. We can think of many. We've got Saul and David. Anyone know their story? Just read it through the eyes of where is their emotional maturity. David and Jonathan, different. Ruth and Naomi, Peter and John, different. And they're just a few. As you unpack, you'll see positives and negatives. You'll see where there was maturity and where there was immaturity. And you'll see the consequences of that and the and what it left in their world and the things that it did in their lives. Now, those stories aren't just in the scriptures for us to read and shake our fingers out. They're to read and go, where am I in this? God, do I carry that pride? God, do I carry that brokenness? God, am I functioning out of that? Is my motive not for the other, but for myself and only for me? You know, throughout my life, many times... (laughs) I was sitting and reflecting and saying, well, God, okay, my journey is here now, but 
How have you transitioned me in this journey? My filter was a filter as a young girl of brokenness and pain. I had suffered a lot of trauma through sexual abuse all my childhood life. So I had a filter that I thought wasn't seen. And that filter was one of pain, of mistrust, not trusting anybody. And I didn't have healthy boundaries because I didn't do so much the other where I was trying necessarily to control people. I was more the person who became what you wanted me to be because I feared that if you did really see me, that in that place I wouldn't be accepted, that you would reject me, that somehow you would try to then dominate me with power or take control of my life. So my filter was communicating, don't, don't go in that relationship, don't be open in that relationship, there's pain there, you're going to suffer, there's brokenness. But yet, God had actually placed my healing and grace that I needed in that season in people that were in my world. And like I said, I thought people didn't see that filter, but actually now as I have conversations with people that knew me back then, they would say, oh, Ivana, we saw that you were broken, but we just wanted to love you. We just wanted to extend God's grace towards you. I never spoke about it. There was opportunities for me too. And people like, it was like they were trying to draw it out. It was like God was using them to say, come on, you can open up about this. You can break down that wall. This is a healthy place. But I just refused because I was so broken. So I pushed back on that and I would say, no, 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 no. I'll just be whatever you want me to be. Oh, yes, I'm a born-again Christian on fire for Jesus at a young age, and I'm ready to tackle the world and go and seek and save that which was lost, and hallelujah, and all the while inside freaking out and trembling and crying and feeling shame and anxious and broken. And Do I feel different now? Yes. Am I fully completed? No. In him, yes. But I'm learning to attain that which he paid the full price for me. You know, like, but I, that's, that was my filter. But I needed to become honest. You know, somewhere in your world and in your life, you need to become honest in this area. You need to go and say, where am I in this? I'm thankful for God's grace and I'm thankful for his faithfulness. I'm thankful for his patience and mercy towards each of us because he is that. And he knew that scared girl couldn't do the journey, but he continued to keep his hand on my life, continued to bring beautiful people in my world, continued to mould and shape me through his word. I never had an angelic visitation. I wish I did. I never had that. Oh, actually, I probably would have been really freaked out by that. It's okay, God knows. But he had people in my life, throughout my life, share their story. The power of your story. Please don't ever, ever devalue that and think it doesn't matter. It matters. Share your story. The good news that we're to share is what Jesus did for me. And as people shared their story of their brokenness and what God had done in them and how he had healed and restored and brought life to those dead places in their world, how he had come in beyond the barrier of that wall and said, come on, I'm right beside you, I'm doing this with you. As they began to share that story, all of a sudden, it's like brick by brick, the wall became 
to crumble. Brick by brick, all of a sudden, little light began to burst through. Brick by brick, in that dark place, I began to see, oh, there's a glimmer of light there. Brick by brick. Did I do it not scared? Absolutely not. I was freaked out. When you've had walls up for a long time, freaks you out all of a sudden when you feel like there's something coming through that wall. But the love of God says his perfect love casts out all fear. So all of a sudden, that which was binding and trying to hold me, Jesus said that his anointing breaks and sets the prisoner free. Breaks, opens the eyes of the blind. He breaks in and he just sets the captive out of captivity. Amen. He heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. Now, he challenged me that as I began to do a journey of healing, to look at the motives. Because my motives weren't pure at the time. And I still have to bring my motives before the Lord all the time. And he was like, Havana, I'm going to give you the motives of my heart for people. And, and I'm reminded of these scriptures in Philippians 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of mine. Do nothing, here's my motive, it should be, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So there's a filter that I'm meant to be filtering my motives through. Another scripture, Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, or righteousness, and honour. Here's another filter. What am I pursuing? Righteousness and love. Am I pursuing other people's approval or acceptance? Or what are they going to say about me? Scripture says, pursue righteousness and love. Go after that. Because in that, you're going to actually find life, prosperity, and honor. And in 1 John 4, everyone knows this passage. It's a famous one, 19. We love because he first loved us. So I had to begin to change the filter, my motives, the why behind why I wanted to have relationship with people, to his filter and his motives. And that only comes as we're in a relationship with him. But I tell you, it's not, it's not instant. There are some things that God does in our world that is instant. When his love pours into our hearts and we open our lives to him, that's an instant moment of uniting with Christ. That's instant. There's no denying that. When I opened my heart to the Lord, it was like he rushed in because he says he constantly stands at the heart of man, at each of our hearts, knock, knock, knock. And he says, and when we open, choice, when we open that door, he comes in. And he's true to his word. You open your life to God, he comes in. All of a sudden, he begins to have fellowship, relationship with us. Is he constantly pursuing us before? Absolutely. God is not distant from anyone. 
He's right there. And he did that and he showed us that through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and did live as a man like you and me. Why? So that we could be in an intimate relationship with him. He did it. But, like I said, it's not instant. I grabbed this fruit bowl. They had anybody, mandarins, please grab these mandarins. But I wanted to say something about this fruit because I believe that emotional maturity is like this. That mandarin tree that produced this fruit doesn't always have fruit bearing on its branches. Sometimes that mandarin tree is bare with not even a leaf hanging on it. The leaves drop down and all you see is the, the stem, the branches, and they're just there. And it doesn't look very pretty. And it doesn't look like it's going to produce anything. But then all of a sudden, in the next season, leaves begin to form on that tree. And the leaves begin to grow and fill that tree. And then little buds come and flowers bloom. And it's full of flowers in the next season. Bees come to that tree. And then all of a sudden, it bears fruit. And that fruit is not only to show off the tree, but it's for others to partake of that fruit and take and enjoy. And each one of us are in different seasons throughout our lives when it comes to emotional maturity. Because I haven't always been a wife. I haven't always been a mum. I haven't always been in leadership. I haven't always worked at Big W. I haven't always lived in Bargo. So different seasons of my life, there have been different levels of maturity and God's been doing a work. And the beautiful thing is, is that if we allow God to continue to do the work in our lives and be open to that work, you're going to be bearing much fruit and others are going to be able to come and be nourished and refreshed from the fruit. No journey is ever wasted. No journey is ever wasted. In God, he redeems, he restores, and he creates, and he builds, and he multiplies. He multiplies. And I love that about God. That in everything that he's been doing and forming and shaping in me is for me. It absolutely is for me. But it's for others. So... Like many of us have said, have come in different journeys. That's a little bit of my story. But then you might say, okay, well, I sort of see a little bit of the scale that I might be on when it comes to my emotional maturity. What am I meant to do? What should I do? I've got four things of encouragement. Number one, know your own emotional maturity. Don't sit and try to define another, but take it and go, okay, God, where am I in my emotional maturity? How would you find that out, you might say? Well, over the next little while, couple of weeks, month, begin to notice yourself. When are you reacting emotionally to something? How are you reacting to that? You might say, oh, I've never had... Do it. Just, you don't have to tell anyone straight up. Just observe yourself. Now, I'm saying that don't anyone say you're going to start being the watcher of the other person. Watch your own life. Where are you? Um, where are your emotions? What are your reactions towards different people and situations? Maybe then, if you're a bit brave, you might ask some people close to you and say, well, what do you see? <laughs> like Pastor Rowan shared, 
when you do the questionnaire and it shoots back roughly where you are um, in your emotional health and maturity, you might not like it. So be ready for that. <laughs> and that might even be a sign of where your <laughs> emotional maturity is at. But ask people that you know love you. By the way, please don't go and ask just a complete stranger who's got no care for you. Oh, yeah, you're... We get um, customer feedback at work. Whoa. I'm like, people don't have hearts for us. <laughs> but ask people that have got a heart for you. You know? And husbands, don't just ask your wives. Ask a mate. Girls, don't just ask your husbands. Ask a friend. Those of us alongside each other, ask each other. But, yeah, not in a judgmental way. This is for us to grow. But we need to know where we're at to grow. So, number two, be in community. Be in this. You can't grow emotionally and learn how to be in relationship if you're an isolated, if you're isolated, isolated from people. That does not work. That's why we love in this place to say, get to a gathering group. Begin to get to know people deeper at a deeper level because what we do here is awesome and together corporately worshipping God and getting to know each other there in the foyer before and after service. But let's go a bit deeper. And that's why, like I said, we love the groups. We say get into a group. Then you can begin to discuss some of the things that you might be seeing that is coming up in your world. There we believe and we pray one for another. We're there to support and encourage each other. Please do not sit at a seat where you think you're above people. I am not sitting in that seat. We come alongside each other, but we can learn from one another, amen? Because we believe in the power of prayer. I believe God came to transform and radically free us, and he paid that price, but he also put the deposits of that freedom in others so that none of us can be a lone ranger. I love it. And that's, you know, a protection for you. It keeps you safe not running off on your own. and So be in community. Read books on emotional health so around this topic. Listen to podcasts because, you know, sometimes you don't have a language for it. You might just say, I'm feeling angry. Okay. What's making you feel angry or what's some other words that you might use? You might have no idea. So you begin to read and listen, begin to open your world because all of a sudden you might begin to listen to something and go, I see myself right. That's a description of me. You know, because it's sometimes really hard to decipher what's going on inside of us. So we need a language that will help us talk to one another, help us talk to others, amen? And this is where you can then talk to people and say, well, actually I'm diving into this book and this is what it's, what's stirring or it's it's brought this thought to the forefront what do you think get another insight from that from of another person so know your own emotional maturity begin to dive in and investigate that be in community one with another get alongside people read books you know when we were early married one of our big goals was of course to invest in our marriage and we would often read choose a book for the year or a podcast series or some, around marriage. And that was good for us. That really built into our world. We got alongside people that we felt like we looked up to, that they were doing marriage well. Now they weren't perfect 
and they were always there to tell us, we're not perfect, we're not, that's okay. But there was something that was in them that was drawing us. You know, we had a mature couple in our church where we fellowshiped, and they were like, I don't think they were 80, but they looked like they were 80. But, you know, they would come to church. I would watch them. They'd walk from their vehicle. He'd get out. He'd go and open his wife's door, help her out. They'd hold hands from the car all the way into the auditorium, into the foyer, into church. They would stand there in worship time and they'd be holding hands and one hand missing and the other hand like this or sometimes like that together. And that he would stand and he would talk, you know, when he would talk with people, he'd put his arm around her. And I know, I'm probably a romantic, all right, it's okay. He'd put his arm around her and then they'd hold hands again. They'd walk all the way back to the car. Now, I watched them a lot, a lot. But they inspired me as a young girl who didn't have a boyfriend at the time, Terry was not in the picture, that the possibility that relationship in marriage could be great and good. You never know who's watching you. You never know the influence that you're having simply by just being you. And the fourth one is that maybe as you dive into this, you might realise, actually, I need a counsellor. I need to go see a counsellor or a therapist. Because you know what? Sometimes your friends, your family peers, people in your world might not be at the level where they can help you take that next step. And that is not a bad thing to realise that you might be needing that extra professional support. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no stigma on that. Please do that. Friends, if you have people in your world that you might think, actually, I can't help you unpack that or give you the time that's needed to unpack that, encourage them. Go alongside them. Come on, maybe this might be better for you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe with you. All of those things. But maybe that's what you might need. You know, there's great ministries like LL. We encourage people to go have prayer ministry, get breakthrough in their world. Those four things, I'll repeat them. Know your own emotional maturity. Stop trying to watch over everyone else. First, first, things first, your heart. Be in community, get around people, be in relationship. There we flourish, grow and realise. Read books, educate yourself, open your mind to new thoughts, possibilities and potentially go and get some professional help if need be because we're talking around emotional health and relationships. That's the topic today, amen. I'd love to invite the worship team up, please. That'd be great. So relationships grow. They're meant to grow. I don't think we'd be doing so well if our relationship didn't grow a bit more deeper and real. And in those relationships, sometimes they're filled with highs and sometimes lows. Highs and lows. Sometimes lows and lows and lows. Highs. But that's real because this is life here. And God wants each of us to become stronger and deeper in our relationship with him first and in our relationship with others. But it takes us being intentional. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash c3wallandilly.